All right. Well, I'm so excited to preach to you this morning. I love um, having this opportunity. I'm honored by it. I'm humbled by it. Uh, but before we get into the message, I have a couple of announcements of myself, if that's okay. Uh, number one, uh, if you didn't know this, but tomorrow is a big day. It's Valentine's Day, okay? So if you're in a relationship, treat your, your, your wife, your husband to something nice, okay? But also, tomorrow is Pastor Otis's birthday, so he turns 50 years old tomorrow. So we just want to give him a shout out. We love him. We are thankful for his leadership. Uh, we're actually heading out west for his birthday. It's a big birthday, so we're going to the Grand Canyon. So that's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time, and uh, we just want to celebrate him and all that he does. Um, he's an amazing pastor, right? It's such an honor to be under him, and we just love him dearly. Also, another announcement for you. Uh, we just announced a couple weeks ago about Holy Spirit uh, Retreat, Holy Spirit Intensive this year. Um, it's a spring retreat that we take our youth group um, Years past, they went to Panama City. Um, this year, we'll be going to uh, Sevierville, Tennessee, uh, the Gatlinburg area, Pigeon Forge area, and um, uh, getting a big cabin and staying up there together. And this event uh, sold out in one week. One week. Uh, when Pastor said we're experiencing a move of, move of God in our youth group, uh, we're experiencing a move of God in our youth group. It's insane. I, uh, last Wednesday night, uh, I told Skyler and some others, I said, like, we are about to explode. Like, buckle up, we're going to explode and fill this sanctuary. There's like 12 new people uh, last week, and they got born again, and like five got filled with the Holy Spirit on their first night. I'm telling you, we are in a move of God, a move of God. So this event sold out in just one week. So with that selling out so quick, we were like, okay, we need to go ahead and get camp ready, and uh, we'll get camp out there for everybody uh, to go ahead and register. Uh, so we have Camp Impact coming up on July 11th through the 15th. If there's a slide, maybe not. I, we don't know. But it's July 11th through the 15th, Camp Impact. We are super pumped about it. Uh, you can go to calvary.online slash events, and the event will be right there. You can find that. Uh, this year we're believing God to take the biggest group of kids we've ever. Oh, gosh. Just cry talking about it that Camp Impact's ever had. I'm believing this year we're going to take 150 kids. I'm believing this year we're going to bust them up there. We are going to bust them up there. My boy Abdel's in the back. We're going to bust the kids up there. And um, it's in Virginia this year. It's in my hometown. I am super pumped about it. There was a camp up there. Um, I was talking to him. I can't remember his name, the camp director, but he's a good friend of mine. Uh, We started talking. He's actually from Cape Coral, Florida, uh, which is crazy because that's where pastor lived for a long time and they're actually doing us a deal man uh camps in years past have been like four hundred dollars three something um this year camp's only going to cost us two hundred dollars so it's a big thing they want us to come they get the whole camp will be ours every cabin every um, room the lake everything they're just saying we want you to have it also there's a local church in the area called zion family ministries um it's my second home church because growing up I went uh, to church with my dad there and the church with my mom somewhere else. Um, but the pastor, I started talking to the pastor, and um, he was actually the first pastor that opened his doors to us um, three years ago when I started traveling and preaching. And he said, hey, let's have the night services of your camp at my church. And they're the biggest church in the county. They seat a 1,000 people, state-of-the-art facility, Um, going to save all kinds of money and rental equipment and all that. And they're just opening their doors, staffing their church, and wanting us to come in and have the night services of camp. They're opening it up to youth groups in the area. Listen, 
So the youth groups here get experience, you know, camp and, you know, the morning sessions, the lake, the activities at camp and the, and the games. But the night services, they are already going around churches, the Assemblies of God churches in the area, the Church of God churches in the area, Church of God of Prophecy, all these places, spirit-filled churches and going and announcing our camp already to youth groups to join us for the night services at Zion Family Ministries. I'm believing this camp impact's going to blow us away. When we get back to testify about it, man, I believe all of y'all are just going to be like, I wish I, I want to go next year. I want to go next year. And it's going to be amazing. So if you have a young person, go ahead and register them, sign them up. Also, if you, you know, you say, I feel led to send somebody to camp. And um, I know last year, I was so moved by this. I believe there was around 6000 maybe $7,000 that came in to send kids to camp. Scholarship money came in, $7,000. That's mind-blowing. We were able to send like 20-some kids to camp last year because of your giving. And if you feel led by the Lord today to say, you know what, I want to send some kids to camp this year, then uh, you can memo a check and drop it off as you leave, or you can give online. Uh, there's a place there uh, to give towards Camp Impact. Amen? And we are believing for a year of harvest. All right. Well, first of all, I love this house. I am the youth pastor. My name is Pastor Corey. My wife is the worship pastor, uh, Mackenzie. She's amazing. And then uh, we love Calvary. This is home. This has been home. Uh, we feel called here. And we believe God is, we are, how do I put this Holy Spirit? I believe we are on the edge of um, something incredible in our church. And um, in Volume Students, what we've been doing the past couple weeks, I'm going to kind of catch you up, and then I'm going to get into my sermon. But uh, Volume Students, the past couple weeks, we started a series, and it's called The History of Revival. So we've looked at different revivals that have broke out in America, and we started with Brownsville. This week, we're actually hitting Azusa Street. Um, and then next week, we're going to hit, or two weeks from now, we're going to hit Carpenter's Home Church that happened in Lakeland. Uh, but we started with the Brownsville Revival. The Brownsville Revival broke, broke out in 1995 on Father's Day. Father's Day, 1995, this revival broke out. And it was a normal Sunday morning, Father's Day. Pastor John Kilpatrick, he tells the story. We're actually really close friends. Uh, my family with Pastor Kilpatrick, uh, Dr. Tom Renfro, a lot of you, you remember uh, Dr. Tom. He's actually the chair of his board. And I can remember growing up listening to these stories that Pastor John Kilpatrick would say, you know, it was Father's Day, a normal Sunday service, and I was ready to go home. That's what he said. He said, before, you know, service started and we... We kicked it off with worship. I was all ready to go home. He said, I was ready to check out. I just wanted to get home. It's Father's Day. Kick my feet up. Watch some football and just, or it's summertime when football is on. Just watch some TV and just chill. He said, I was not there. I was just, that's why he said, one of the reasons, that's why I brought an evangelist in. He said, I was in a season of just dry. I was in a season of where, you know, at times he, he thought about maybe just hanging it up. He said he was just in, in a season um, They've been praying for revival for years, and it looks like it's not going to come. And he said on that Father's Day, he was just feeling down. And um, the evangelist that came in was evangelist Steve Hill. And this man made some noise in that church. He came in on Father's Day, and he was talking about his trips to the U.K. He just got back from the U.K. He was preaching crusades in Manchester, London, all around the U.K., and he got there, and he was sharing stories about the revival and the encounters of God he had overseas. And it was halfway through his sermon towards the altar. They kind of he started praying for people. And Kilpatrick got up and he could tell something was happening in the room. As around 800 people, no, he said 18. Around 1,800 people were there that morning. This church can sit about 3,000. About 1,800 people were there. And they all came to the altar when Steve Hill made the altar call. 
The ones that were new came, and the ones that have been there for years and years and years came back to the altar that morning. They rededicated their lives. They wanted something fresh. And he said as he saw the altars being filled with people, he was moved, and Kilpatrick stood up from his chair, and he started to repent for the fact that he didn't want to be there. He said, Lord, I'm repenting. I want to be here. Here I am, Lord. Forgive me for saying that. And Steve Hill was just preaching the gospel with truth and power. I want to tell you something. When the gospel is preached with truth and power, people come. No matter if it feels like, well, that's aggressive, or the pastor's stepping on toes, or why would they say that? If it's it's the truth, it's the truth that what? Sets you free. People will come. And Kilpatrick was so moved. He said, I got up and I started to repent. As Kilpatrick, as uh, Steve Hill was praying for people. And Kilpatrick came up. And he stepped off the stage, and he said it felt like a wind was blowing around his ankles. And he told told himself, he said, man, the air-conditioned unit is on this morning. He said he was walking, and he could just feel it moving him. And Steve Hill was praying for people, and all of a sudden, Kilpatrick fell out under the power of God. Just fell out. No one laid hands on him or anything. The lead pastor fell out. He was crying and weeping. He couldn't get up. He laid there for four hours. He couldn't get up. And the cameraman, who's a part of this testimony, they made a video about it. He was in the back. And the cameraman was recording the whole thing. And, you know, he, he confessed. He was like, I was the kind, I was the iffy guy about the whole thing. Um, have you ever been that person? When the evangelist was going around the room and he's saying, fire, fire, fire. And people were falling out and getting healed. He said the camera guy was like, yeah, do, yeah not me. He say fire to me. I'm going to say fire back. You know, he, he confessed that was him. I know some people. I've been that way before. And then I got hit. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but listen, he, the cameraman was saying I was in the back, and I was, like, doubting the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, his pastor fell out. And he said when he watched John Kilpatrick fall out, he began to weep on the camera. And he said, I know pastor, he, he won't fall just to fall. <laughs> He won't lay there just to lay there. And he said he began to weep. And all of a sudden, he's working the camera, and the live stream goes from, you know, normal to shaking. And then the cameraman gets hit under the power of God in the back. And Kilpatrick gets up, and four four years, four hours has passed. Four hours went by, and Kilpatrick finally gets up, and he looks around the room, and people are out. They've been out for hours, but it felt like a second people still weeping in the altar and then I'm about to hit my start kick the sermon off but this right here is what I want to get to you because this is going to set the tone for where we're going Kilpatrick got up and there was a mom and she was on her knees and she was weeping traveling crying out to God and she looked at her watch and Kilpatrick overheard the conversation and she realized she's been there for four hours on her knees and she said oh my gosh it felt like a second. She looked at her baby because her, her son was about three years old and he was just standing there. And he said, she said, I'm so sorry. You've been standing here for four hours. I'm sorry. Let's go home. We're going to go home. I'm sorry. Mama kept you waiting. And she tried to get her boy's attention and her boy was looking into the rafters of the church. And she pulled on his shirt. said, baby, let's go. We've been here four hours. Let's go. And he looked at his mama and said, Mama, I don't want to go. 
She said, we've been here for four hours. He said, I know, but don't you see him? And she said, see what? Kilpatrick's weeping because he's hearing this conversation. And he looks around the room and he sees all these young children looking up to the, to the raptors of the church. Around the whole church, there, there's kids just looking up. And he heard the child said, Mama, don't you see him? She said, see what, baby? What are you talking about? The angels. They've been playing with us for that. For the whole time you've been praying, they've been playing. They've been waving at us. Do you see him, Mama? And Kilpatrick started to weep because he looked around the room and all the kids were looking up there. What I'm trying to tell you is this. When God hits a place, the prophecy of Joel is true. When God hits a place, it's all flesh. It's not just us. It's our children. The mom didn't just have an encounter. The son had an encounter. And I'm believing where we're going as a church, man. Buckle up. I believe. It's about to get all of us. It's about to get all of us, friend. In the Brownsville Revival, there was over 4 million people that came through that revival in Pensacola, Florida. 4 million people. They have close to a million dedications that came through. A million salvations came through that church in the span of five years. Years in Pensacola, Florida. If God can do it there, God can do it here. He's just looking for a people that will pray and contend. Pray and contend. So in youth group, we started to pray like Brownsville prayed. And this week, we're teaching about the Azusa Street outpouring. And then next week, we're going to pray like Azusa prayed. And then we're teaching about Carpenter's Home. And then the next week, we're going to pray like Carpenter's prayed because if they prayed these things and something happened then that means their prayers worked so we've adopted their system and what we prayed over Wednesday night is spiritual warfare, revival, souls, family our country, healing, pastors schools, ministries and the peace of Jerusalem And we, we prayed for about two hours in youth group and I remember there was 12 first time people there and they got born again and five got filled with the Holy Spirit. You talk about your first time coming to the church and all we're doing is crying out and praying. I remember, if I walked into an environment like that before I got Holy Ghost, I would have walked right back out. But these kids, they stayed. And then all of a sudden, kids, we were like, because even Kenzie said, man, it's, it's just like God to send all the new people on the prayer night. When it's not, you know, the game night or, you know, we don't really have a sermon plan. It's just all-out Holy Ghost prayer. It's just like God to send the new people on that night. And sure enough, their lives were changed forever. We got testimonies that came in that said, I always want to go back to this church. I don't want to miss Mama. Amber Shade sent me a text because two, people, two young girls came with her for the first time, and they, they told her, they said, this was our first time ever being in an environment like that. And Mama, we never want to leave. We never want to miss. Will you take us every week, Miss Amber? Why? Because when God's in the room, when His presence is here, you don't want to leave. No matter what your background is, if you grew up in Pentecost, if you grew up in the Baptist church, the Methodist church, if you encounter the Holy Ghost and God gets on the inside of you, friend, you never want to leave. 
I'm believing for something to hit Calvary Church that makes every single one of us not want to leave. So today, the title of my sermon is called Answer, God is Calling. Answer, God is Calling. We're going to go to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 12. Are you ready? Peter was preaching to all kinds of different people groups in this moment of Asia Minor, about five different regions. So Peter says this, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Come on, that's good news. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly, truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Come on. Even though you're going through some things. Even though it looks like I don't know how I'm going to get out. Even though it looks like the doctors gave you one report, but you're believing for the report of the Lord, and you just, you're like, well, Lord, why am I suffering? Why am I going through this? Listen, the trial lasts for a season, but the Bible says there's joy ahead. There's joy ahead. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Are you ready for that day? Are you ready? You love him even though you have never seen him. I'm going to say that again. We love him even though we have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward of trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they were, were, pro- when they were prophesying about this gracious salvation being prepared for us. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Ghost, sent from heaven. It is also wonderful, I love this, that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Peter is saying that even the angels are excited to see God pour His Spirit out. The heavens are excited for the last day outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I like, to, I like to think about it this way. They're looking over heaven's balcony saying, oh, it's about time. Look, God, look at all the people being saved. Look at what you're doing. Heaven is excited about the time we are living in. I'm going to say that again. Heaven is excited about the time you're living in. Heaven is excited. The angels are excited. But I'm afraid the American church, sometimes we're not. How can we not be excited when the heavens are? And Peter's crying out. He said, oh, 
the joy, the joy that's set before you, the joy of trusting God, trusting God, the joy of that is what? It's your salvation. The reward is your salvation. So God sent me here this morning to tell someone this. The fact that you're just trusting God has a reward attached to it. Oh, man. The fact that you bring your kids every Sunday, and they're acting all kinds of crazy, doing all kinds of things, and you're just saying, Lord, I'm going to keep being faithful. I'm believing for my kids. I don't know why they're acting this way. I don't know why they're involved in that, but I'm going to keep bringing them to church. Listen, the fact that you're trusting God, there's a reward attached to it. The fact that you keep praying, the fact that you keep lifting your hands, the fact that you keep pressing in and being faithful, there's a reward attached to it, friend. And the reward is this. It's Him. He is our reward. It's Him. Friend, it's Him. He is our reward. He is our salvation. He is our hope. There's nothing else but him. We don't want to go to heaven because we get a nice house and the streets of gold and all the cool things there. No, I don't want to go to heaven for any of that. I want to go to heaven because of him. I get to see him. I could care less about the house. I want him. Friend, he is the reward. He's our hope. And the Lord began to deal with me on something. There's only two things you can take with you to the next realm. When you die and you pass on, you can only take two things. Two things. Are you ready? Your faith. Because it's by your faith in Christ that you're saved. It's your faith that made a way. You believed that he died on the cross. He got out of the grave and he's coming again. You asked him to be the Lord of your life. Your faith gets you to heaven. But listen, you can take something else too, and that's someone. You can take someone. Your car can't go to heaven. Your house can't go to heaven. Your career can't go to heaven. Your favorite piece of cloth, clothing you have, your, your shoes, your, your favorite foods, your hobbies, what you're good at. No, that all stays here. But man, what goes with you is someone. It's someone. And I love Peter expressing to these people talking about salvation and how great it is and how wonderful and how beautiful it is because he's had the revelation that God wants everybody to have it. This is why he did what he did. And Peter had his mind set up like the other apostles and disciples. We're not going alone. That's why when they would enter into places, the ones who have flipped the world upside down are now here. Why? Because people knew that when these 12 people would walk in, they would take everybody that they can with them. And the message hasn't changed. It's been thousands of years, friend, but the message hasn't changed. And the message is this. He loves you. He's for you. He died on the cross a terrible death. 
He became sin, even though he never knew it. He never participated in it. But for our sake, he suffered. The message is still the same. He got out of the grave. The message is still the same. He's coming again. The message is still the same. Live holy. Be separated. Hebrews says you can't see God unless you're holy. The message is still the same. And it's all centered around this one thing. One, Jesus. But number two, it's centered around two things. Get somebody. It's got to be our mission, whether you're 89 or you're 19. When you accept Jesus as Lord, it has to become your mission to get someone Get someone saved. Don't be satisfied with just you going to heaven. Could you imagine if the apostles were satisfied with just them? Man, he came and he got us. Woo! He came and he saved us. We're saved, guys. We did it. Can you imagine if they never shared the good news of the gospel, if they didn't listen to Jesus because he said, go into all the world. But can you imagine if they didn't do that? If they just kept it for themselves. If that was the case, friend, we would have never heard about it. We would be a lost people group that are still in the world today. That's why it's important to go preach the gospel. The message hasn't saved, hasn't changed. We'll, we would have never heard about this. Because God uses people. God always equips people and sends people for his work. But if they would have never shared, if they would have never spoke, we would have never heard about this man. How many people in your day-to-day life, in your family, at your workplace, don't know about this man because you've not opened your voice? Because you've not said, Jesus loves you. Friend, I'm preaching to myself too. Because I believe God wants to hit us this morning with glory and power. And I believe God wants to catch us on fire to carry the word of his gospel. But how many people that we walk by day to day are going to hell because we don't say anything? Friend, We have to preach. He saved us. He set us free. Great. Now declare it over someone else. I'm all about God blessing us and prospering and having more than enough. I believe in it. I have watched it happen in my life firsthand. God come through for me in ways I can't explain. Firsthand. But I'm more concerned about seeing someone saved than I am, just being honest with you, than I am about getting the new car or getting completely out of debt or even healing in my body. I believe for that stuff. I declare that stuff. It's true. Financial Peace University, it's true. God does these things. I believe in laying hands on the sick and they'll recover. Jesus tells us to do it. But friends, I'm more concerned 
about someone's eternity than I am about any of that. And when we get souls on our mind, you'll see everything else manifest. If we get our priorities in check and we say others before ourselves, you'll see that you're living your best life. I'm going to say that again. When you put others in front of you, all of a sudden you'll realize, I have more than enough. Oh, my word, I came out of debt. Oh, my word, the pain's gone in my knee. Wow, I go to the doctor, the report came back clear. Why? Because all of a sudden you started walking with the kingdom mindset that, God, you're good. I know you'll heal me. I believe in your word. Now I'm going to do your work. And everywhere I go, every person I come in contact with, I'm going to win them. What kind of revival would we see at Calvary Church if all of us in this room, there's about 100 in here today, all of us in this room would get souls on our mind? If all of us in this room would take us off the throne and put other people in front of ourselves. Have you ever realized that a lot of the times when you go out of your own way to do something for somebody else, you feel really good about it? Have you ever done something that's really kind and really thoughtful, and you walk away knowing you made a difference? I have, and it felt good. You know, God wants you to, God wants you to live in that place constantly, 24-7, because that's the place he lives. Say that again. He says, be holy as I am holy. What does that mean? Look like him. He wants us right there with him. Do you understand that God lives in the place of feeling good? Why? Because he puts everybody else. He came as God. Listen, friend. He came as God, but yet became a man, a mortal man that had to die. Listen, God, he had no beginning. He has no end. But all of a sudden, we find out that he has to die. All of a sudden, the God of the universe comes down. He says, I'm coming down as what? A servant. I'm coming down. And and the gospels refer to him as the suffering servant because God himself had to suffer. But during this whole season of that, all of a sudden, he's always lived a good life. He's always being blessed. He's always finding joy in his Father. Why is that? It's because he's living exactly in the place God always called him to live in. And the place we're called to live in is to depend on God. The Bible says the greatest, first two, come on, greatest commandment, to love the Lord God with what? All your heart. But then what? Come on. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's where he dwells. That's where he dwells. He dwells in that place. Jesus dwells in that place of loving the Lord God with all of his heart, but then loving you as he loved himself. Pastor said it. I don't remember when he said it. It's been a couple months ago, but he said, correct me if I'm wrong, something like Jesus loves the Father. Jesus loves us. Say it for me. It just came to my spirit. 
Yes. The Father loves us exactly the way he loves Jesus. That was just Holy Ghost. That just came to me. Because it's true. That's the place we're called to be, church, right there. Loving the Lord God with all of our hearts, but then loving others more than ourselves. I'm afraid that the American church, at the end of that passage in Peter, verse 12, it said the angels were so excited. But I'm afraid we've lost our excitement. Why were the angels excited in that text? It's because the gospel was being preached. It's because they knew the end result. People are going to be saved. If the the heavens are excited, church, why have we lost our excitement? I'm not calling any. We have a great church. I just believe this is a message for the American church. Why have we lost our excitement? And I love what verse 12 says exactly. It says, and now this good news has been announced to you by those who preach the power of the Holy Spirit from heaven. I've come to tell you this morning that I stand in the office of an evangelist this morning. Preaching under the power of the Holy Ghost. The good news of Jesus. And the good news is he is alive. He's here. He's healing, restoring, moving, comforting, providing, supplying, healing, making new. He's alive. Come on, that should make you excited. He is alive. And he's come to set you free from sin, from compromise, from the ways of the world and the ways of the enemy. And in Romans chapter 13, verse 11, it says this. This is all more urgent for you. This is Paul talking. Know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. That means Jesus is closer to coming back today than he was yesterday. That means you're closer to eternity today than you were yesterday. He's coming. He's calling you. He's calling you. But I'm afraid. We hear the call. But we've grown annoyed by it. Because it sounds like this. You recognize that? That's your alarm going off telling you to get up. But all you want to do is press snooze. You hear it. It's going off. But you just say, five more minutes. Ten more minutes. Well, I want to tell you, friend, God is doing the same thing. He's calling you constantly. But I'm afraid a lot of us are just pressing snooze. We're not ready to jump in. We're not ready to give him our everything. We're not ready to be, you know, that connected and grow that much and that involved and that invested. I don't, even some of us might say, I don't take all that. I don't have to pray in tongues and I don't have to get involved. I don't have to come to the altar. I don't have to repeat the prayer. I don't have to come every week. I don't don't take all that. I'm perfectly fine. But meanwhile, we're saying that and God's calling. And we're just telling God, well, you know what? Ten more minutes, and then I might give you my life. 
well, Lord, when I turn 40, I'll, I'll give you my life. My young people in the room, I just want to live life and go to college and do what everybody else does and party for a season and, and, then, and then I'll give you my life, Lord. Or some adults in the house that you've yet to fully convert yourself to Jesus and you're just going through the motions, but he's calling you every day and you keep pressing snooze. You want, me to, you want me to break down the snooze button for you? Okay, I'll break down the snooze button. The snooze button is, yeah, I'm not ready to give up alcohol. The snooze button is, I'm not ready to give up my drugs. The snooze button is, I hear you, God, but I'm not ready to quit watching porn. I hear you, God, but I'm not ready to be faithful to my wife or my husband. I hear you, God, but I'm not ready to, to clean up my act and quit partying and, and gossiping. And I'm, I'm just not ready. I hear you, God. I'll do it one day, snooze. Come on. Come on. Well, that's, that's the definition of snooze. Come on. Corey's terms. <laughs> snooze. I hear you, God. I know you're real. I know you're there. I walked into Calvary that morning. Man, I got goosebumps. It's great service. Great service. I heard the call. I'm just not ready to, I'm just not ready to get married. I, me and my girlfriend, we're living together. We just don't feel convicted yet. Yeah, you do. I love that. When people try to say they don't feel convicted, the fact that you're telling me you don't feel convicted is the fact that you're feeling convicted. It's the truth. Pastor, I just don't feel convicted about it. Well, yeah, you do. You don't have to come make your case to the pastor of why you don't feel convicted. That's the, that's the light bulb. Yeah, you're, you're definitely feeling convicted. You just want to keep pressing snooze. But friend, what does Romans tell us? Romans says the time is closer now than ever before. And if you keep pressing snooze, what will happen? You'll miss it. Friend, you'll miss it. You will miss it. If you don't answer the call, if you don't get up out of your compromise, out of your sin, out of your rebellion, out of your, oh, help me, Holy Ghost, out of your unforgiveness, out of your hatred, and you say, well, how do I get out of it, Pastor? It's simple. You all, you, oh, all you have to say is, Jesus. It's that simple. You say, well, I've dealt with this for years and years. I don't think it's that simple. Friend, I promise you it's that simple. Why? Because Peter says it's, it's him that's our reward. If it's him that's our reward, if he's our salvation, then that means it's just Jesus. It's just him. You want to know how you get free from alcohol and drugs? Jesus. You want to know how you clean your mouth up from the way you talk? Jesus. You want to know how you quit watching pornography? Jesus. You want to know how your marriage is restored and healed? Jesus. You want to know how your kids come back and serve God? Jesus. You want to know how you've made it your whole life without falling away? Jesus. The same God that picked you up then is the same God that will pick you up now. That's why he's calling. Love it. He's going to call until you leave. 
Lord, man, he's going to call until you leave. You say, what do you mean leave? Until you leave this earth, he's calling. That's how gracious and kind he is, church. He's that good that even though we've pressed news and decline for 70 years, he's still calling. He's that kind to us. He's that nice. He loves us that much that he will call you until you leave. But friend, once you leave, two things are going to happen. Well, one of the two. And it goes like this. Because 1 Peter also says, if we kept reading, it goes down and says, God has no favorites. And he judges fairly. Say that again. He has no favorites. And he judges fairly. So when you leave this life, the message of the gospel while we're here is that, oh, he's good. He's great. He's mighty to save. He's the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer of the world. Put your faith and hope in him, and you'll be saved. But once you slip into eternity, friend, you now encounter the God that you've always heard about, but necessarily you didn't really walk in it yet. And that's the judge. You encounter him as judge. You will stand before him as judge. And you'll either plead not guilty or guilty. Now we all know we're guilty, but I'm going to say that again. You'll either plead not guilty or guilty. The ones that plead not guilty are the ones that put faith in Jesus. They're the ones that even though we deserve it, Jesus is our great attorney. And he'll say, before we say guilty, they prayed. I know they did all that, but they made it right. I know they slipped up, but they gave me their life. Not guilty. But then, the ones that never put their faith in Jesus, never truly followed him, never truly gave their life to him, you'll hear guilty. You'll hear guilty. Why? Because he's that good. I'm going to say that again. He he said, how's that good? Yeah, he's that good. Because he can't go against himself. He loves us so much that the Bible says he doesn't want one to perish. But he can't contradict himself. He has to punish sin. He has to say guilty if we've never truly put our faith in Christ. He has to. Because he's a fair judge. But those who have put their faith in Christ, man, what a glorious day that'll be. But this is what I like to think about, and then we're going to have an altar call. Like I said, I came in the, the office of evangelist today. Not, I'm Pastor Corey. I, we do sermon series in youth group, and we love and all that. But, man, I just felt like preaching, preaching this morning. Because I believe God wants to save people, fill people with the Holy Ghost, and you need and you live for holiness. Friend, we still need preaching like this in the pulpits of America. We need preaching on sin. We need preaching on compromise. We need preaching on you can't do whatever you want to do and make it to heaven. No. Jesus came and died on the cross for what? For you to change. 
But you'll stand before this great judge one day. And this is what me and Chris were talking about one night. We know the Bible says, well done, good and faithful servant, for the ones that put their faith in him. But can you imagine when you make it to eternity and you're about to stand before the Lord? Can you imagine that moment? The moment that you know you're saved. You know you put your hope and your trust and your faith in him. You know he's going to say, well done. Enter in. You're not guilty. But the reason why he says that is because you heard the call and you answered. But what breaks my heart is how much Jesus really cares. It breaks my heart how much he really cares about us. You say, why does it break your heart? Because it's breaking his. Because he's calling every day, every moment of your life. He's calling you. He's calling you. And he knows the future. He knows who will answer and who will not answer, but he still calls. It's like, You can't wrap your mind around it. It's like setting your heart up for heartbreak. I know they'll never follow me, but I'm calling you. That's how good he is. That's how much he loves us. I know they'll they'll never change. But man, I'm calling you. He said he doesn't want one to perish. I know, I know they're going to be separated from me, but I'm calling you. And as he does that, can we, we don't know the future. We're not God. But we do know this, he's calling us. And how I like to think about it is what me and Chris were talking about. We don't know when we're going to die, but God does. So that means if you're living in sin and compromise and you are not living for God and there is sin in your life, hatred in your heart, entertaining things of the world, hear me today. He's calling, but he's calling in a way that might sound like this. Chris, I'm using you again as an example, brother. Chris, answer. Chris, answer me. You're going to leave this world, Chris. You got three days. Chris, you don't know this yet. But Chris, answer me. The second day comes. You're 40 hour, 48 hours away from your eternity. Chris still living in sin in the world. But there's still a God in heaven saying, Chris, you have no clue. You're about to slip into eternity in 48 hours. Chris, answer me. Answer the call. I love you, Chris. I died for you. I don't want you to be separated. I want you to be with me. 
You're one day away from eternity. Still living in sin. But God's still calling. Chris, you're 24 hours away from your death. You still have time. Chris, you still have time. Chris! Chris goes on about his life. Heard the gospel preached his entire life. Went to church. He knows the truth. But he never fully gave Jesus a yes. 24 hours pass by and he slips into eternity. The Bible also talks talks about that God will wipe every tear from our eyes. And if he says every tear, that means he has to have one too. And I believe that God will wipe his tear from the heartache and the heartbreak of so many people not being with him. But he'll have to wipe his too. Because that's what he said he would do. And we'll live in joy and peace. And man, oh man, would it be amazing. 